Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into Skin in the Game, a thought-provoking exploration of risk, symmetry, and the hidden forces shaping our social dynamics. Written by the acclaimed author Nassim Nicholas Taleb, a scholar with a rich background in statistics and finance, this 2018 masterpiece examines the often unseen impacts of having, or lacking, a personal stake in the outcomes of our decisions. Whether you're drawn to the intricate workings of risk analysis, searching for revolutionary perspectives on economics, or you're a student or enthusiast of social psychology, Skin in the Game offers a treasure trove of insights. Taleb, renowned for his best-selling work, The Black Swan, applies rigorous probability theory to everyday life, revealing the profound influence that accountability and vested interests have on the world around us. This book will not only satisfy the intellectually curious, but also provide a fresh lens through which to view the complexities of society and human interaction. So buckle up for a journey into the intricate landscape where ethics meets real-world action, all distilled into a brief but powerful summary that you won't want to miss. Skin in the Game, Hidden Asymmetries in Daily Life Introduction, Unveiling the Hidden Forces of Interactions how symmetry and risk shape our lives. Imagine you're engaging in a dance of decision-making, with every move influenced by forces that aren't always visible at first glance. The focus of today's exploration is unveiling those hidden forces that shape the outcomes of human interactions, forces like symmetry and risk. Let's dive into this thought-provoking territory together. Delve into the depths of any deal or decision and you'll uncover questions of balance and knowledge. Who holds the upper hand? Are the risks evenly distributed between the parties involved? Or is one side shouldering more of the burden? The answers to these questions can reveal the leverage and motivations that often remain unspoken, but are crucial to understanding the interaction's dynamics. But the concept of risk adds another layer of intrigue. How often do we truly consider what's at stake? not just for us, but also for the person advising us, be it a doctor, a salesperson, or a financial advisor. Knowing what others stand to lose provides invaluable insights into their commitment and integrity in the situation at hand. Enter the philosophy of skin in the game, a term that encapsulates just how much an individual has riding on an interaction's outcome. When someone's welfare, reputation, or financial well-being is directly tied to the advice they're giving or the decision that's being made, their level of commitment is palpable. We begin to understand why they might push for a particular outcome or why they might steer us in one direction over another. By the end of our journey today, you'll discover the significance of these underlying forces and how they can lead the minority's will to dominate the majority explain the public's admiration for certain wealthy individuals over others, and unravel the mystery behind true employee loyalty. Let's embark on a quest to discern how much skin in the game impacts the world around us. Part 1. Decoding the Moral Dilemma When knowledge imbalances tilt the scales. Picture a scene where ancient fishermen, huddled around their unsavory catch, 
come face to face with a moment of moral reckoning. When they decide to deceive Mercury, the god of commerce, into sharing their inedible meal, little do they know that the tables will soon turn, and they will be the ones consuming the consequences of their deceit. This fable isn't just a dusty tale from mythology. It's a striking metaphor for the moral quagmire that can arise in modern commerce. It lays bare a universal truth. Concealing information for personal gain is a no-go zone, be it in the agora or the boardroom. Take, for instance, the world of high-stakes finance, a realm the author knows well. It was commonplace to witness traders scheming to unload surplus stocks onto unsuspecting clients. Instead of laying out the full picture, these merchants of the market would dazzle their clients with promises of golden returns, all while staying mum about their true intent, to offload what they no longer wanted. But the crux of the matter is this. While these antics might not land anyone in court, in many secular jurisdictions, they traverse the boundary of ethical conduct as seen through the lens of certain religious legal tenets, like Sharia law. Under Islamic law, there's an intriguing concept known as garar, a term that calls out the unfair advantage one party holds due to superior knowledge, a disparity that can cast a shadow over the ethics of a transaction. When one side, typically the seller, is privy to details the buyer is oblivious to, there's too much certainty for one and not nearly enough for the other. Sharia law mandates the leveling of this information playing field before any transaction can proceed with a clean conscience. Through this lens, the dodgy practices of the traders in our story are far from benign. They are seen as breaches of a sacred code of conduct, legal in some places, but morally suspect in others. It's a timely reminder that legality doesn't always equate to morality. When knowledge weighs heavily on one side of the scale, it's the duty of those in the know to balance the beam. Part 2. Minority Rule. The Silent Force That Guides the Majority. Imagine a society as a complex web, woven with countless interactions, beliefs, and desires. It's here, in the interplay between people, that society reveals its true colors and intricate patterns. Much like observing a single ant tells us little about the nature of its colony, observing individuals fails to capture the essence of societal norms and dynamics. In this web of society, there exists a principle, as counterintuitive as it is powerful, the minority rule. It's a curious phenomenon where a steadfast minority, even one as small as 3%, can set the course for the entire population. This isn't about sheer numbers. It's about the unwavering conviction of the few. Take, for example, the case of the United Kingdom and its consumption of lamb meat. Despite Muslims representing a mere fragment of the UK population, around 4%, a staggering 70% of lamb imports from New Zealand meet halal standards. Most Britons are dining on halal without a specific preference for it all because of the determination of a relatively small group. This happens because minorities often have little or no room for compromise. A Muslim might strictly consume only halal food, while many non-Muslims are indifferent between halal and non-halal offerings. Faced with this disparity in flexibility, it makes perfect economic sense for sellers to cater to the specific needs of the minority, which paradoxically 
ends up influencing the choices available to everyone. Despite the clarity of this principle, it often escapes the notice of businesses looking to shape consumer behaviours. Consider the example of large agricultural firms like Monsanto that have endeavoured to convince the American public of the non-issues surrounding genetically modified GM food. What they overlook is that people who consume GM products are usually willing to eat non-GM foods as well, while the minority opposed to GM foods are not as accommodating. So if just one person in a family of five refuses GM food, chances are the entire family's grocery haul will tilt towards non-GM products, assuming price and taste differences are minimal. Here, the intransigence of the minority overshadows the flexibility of the majority, rendering the millions spent by corporations to persuade the majority ineffectual. The silent dictum holds true. Sway the minority with ironclad preferences, and you subdue the majority without uttering a word. Part 3. Trading Freedom for Security. The Company-Employee Power Dynamic. Centuries ago, wandering monks known as Girovegs traveled across Europe free from monastic constraints. They embraced a nomadic lifestyle, unburdened by wealth and beyond the church's dominion. The church, craving control over these drifters, fought to impose rules that would clip their wings of freedom. This historical tussle sheds light on a modern parallel in the corporate world. Companies, much like the church of old, exert a subtle mastery over their employees, nudging them toward a structured existence within the corporate fold. By employing individuals rather than opting for freelancers, businesses ensure a steady and reliable workforce. They trade higher salaries and the promise of stability for the employee's autonomy, locking them into fixed schedules and expectations of loyalty. Just as Girovagyes prized their liberty, freelancers value their freedom to choose work according to their preference. But the company needs the predictability and allegiance that comes with permanent staff. Yet why do many of us acquiesce to this taming of our autonomy? The answer is woven into the very fabric of our professional lives. We are conditioned for compliance. Like Pavlov's dogs, we've learned to salivate at the sound of the corporate bell, dressing the part, speaking in acronyms and corporate lingo, and defining our self-worth by our job titles and company affiliations. Those who have drunk deep from the corporate chalice may find their identities so intertwined with their employers that they cannot easily sever the tie. Their commitments, whether it's the IBM employee who only knows the camaraderie of fellow IBMers or the Amazonian who breathes the leadership principles, extend beyond the paycheck. They've become part of a tribe, a tribe that offers a sense of belonging, a shared language, and a common ethos. Yet what hangs in the balance here is not merely a job, but a chunk of one's identity. Step outside the comfort of the company's embrace, and you may feel like you're leaving parts of yourself behind. The wardrobe that's tailored to company standards, the social circle that revolves around workplace interaction, even the sense of humor that's laced with company inside jokes. In this light, adherence to the corporate way becomes more than a livelihood. It becomes a linchpin of the employee's very sense of self. The question then arises, at what point does the certainty of corporate conformity outweigh the liberation of professional autonomy? Welcome to the modern-day dilemma, 
where freedom is traded for security and the Girovag's spirit of independence confronts the corporate world's desire for control. Part 4. Why Society Applauds the Self-Made Wealthy but Scorns the Silver Spoon Success In our world, money equates to power and success. But when it comes to the court of public opinion, not all wealth is viewed equally. The author points out a fascinating dichotomy in our perception of the rich. We revere some, yet hold deep-seated resentment towards others. Celebrity chefs, visionary entrepreneurs, and pop culture icons bask in the glow of societal approval, their fortunes often seen as well-deserved rewards for ingenuity, talent, and hard work. Meanwhile, the financial bounty amassed by bankers, CEOs, and bureaucrats is met with scowls and a chorus of disapproval. These contrasting attitudes have roots in cultural soil. In the United States, for instance, working-class Americans might lionize an entrepreneur for climbing the economic ladder or a celebrity for their dazzling contributions to entertainment. The wealth of these figures is often perceived as the fruit of their labor. They've hustled, taken risks, and achieved fame. Yet, when it comes to those in professional echelons, there's a palpable sense that their wealth doesn't sit right with the public, a sentiment that's not just limited to the U.S., but can be seen in actions like Switzerland's referendum to limit executive pay. What's the secret ingredient that separates the adored rich from the envied? It comes down to skin in the game. The public's perception is that entrepreneurs and celebrities risked it all, their time, money, and future, and hence, earned every penny. In stark contrast, wealthy professionals are often perceived to have floated to the top on a steady, risk-free salary without truly gambling anything of value. Take the case of a certain real estate mogul-turned-politician, Donald Trump. Conventional wisdom suggested that his ostentatious displays of wealth and a string of bankruptcies would repulse the very working-class voters he courted. However, this man's journey and setbacks were seen as badges of a true risk-taker, an entrepreneur who had wagered his all and therefore merited his opulence in the eyes of his supporters. This notion of risk and reward is deeply ingrained in the human psyche. It's an intriguing measure of social justice, society's yardstick for deciding who truly deserves their riches. Those who dare to bet their fortunes on the future wear a halo of merit, while those who accumulate wealth in the safe harbors of bureaucracy often find themselves the target of resentment. It's a tale of two riches where the narrative woven around the wealth matters just as much as the wealth itself. Part 5. When Perceptions Eclipse Reality the tricky balance between competence and image. Picture this scenario. You're on the verge of a crucial surgery and you're presented with two potential surgeons. One, the epitome of medical professionalism, the other seemingly out of place in an operating theater. Your instincts might lean you towards the polished quintessential surgeon, but the author throws in a compelling curveball. What if the less conventional choice is the more skilled? This is the crux of a fascinating dichotomy in professional success. In fields where the stakes are high and the consequences of failure palpable, like in medicine, it's competence that ultimately holds sway. Here, the risks are vividly shared between the practitioner and the recipient. The patient potentially faces life or death, 
while the surgeon could face grave reputational and legal consequences. But this meritocratic measure isn't universal. In arenas where the fallout from poor performance is dispersed and less immediate, image can trump competence. This is especially evident when considering the role of a CEO. In contrast to the high-stakes game faced by surgeons, a CEO navigates a different minefield. The adverse effects of their decisions might be substantial, but they ripple through the company affecting profits, employees, and shareholders. Rarely do they present an existential threat to the CEO's career. Thus, the selection criteria for these corporate leaders can lean heavily on image, on the projection of executive gravitas and the semblance of ability rather than tangible successes. History is illustrative of this phenomenon, with figures like Ronald Reagan, an actor by trade, ascending to the presidency of the United States. Reagan's electoral success demonstrates how, in evaluations devoid of immediate risks, the image can be king. People often elect leaders or appoint executives based on perceptions, charisma, and the confidence they exude. In essence, whether competence or image carries, the day often hinges on the amount of skin in the game within a given profession. Medicine, where the results are a matter of life and death, prioritizes competence. Meanwhile, executive roles, where the link between performance and consequence is more tenuous, can afford to be swayed by polished image and persuasive presentation. This distinction underlines a broader societal question. Are we adequately equipped to discern the most capable individuals in all walks of life, or do we unconsciously privilege style over substance when the stakes are less immediately dire? Recognizing the disparity between competence and image is the first step in navigating the complexities of professional success, where what you see isn't always what you get. Part 6. When Wealth Opens Doors to Deception, The Paradox of Affluence Imagine you're out dining with a friend who insists on the fanciest of restaurants, only to find that the pricey cuisine pales in comparison to your favorite burger joint's offerings. This is not just a scenario about tastes in food, but also a peek into a paradoxical trap of wealth. As the author vividly recounts from a personal dining experience, when choosing a dining venue with a rich companion, the lure of a posh Michelin-starred restaurant might seem irresistible. However, the small portions, overly complex dishes, and steep price tags often don't match the perceived value. Ironically, the wealthier friend, less sensitive to the bite of a hefty bill, readily acquiesces to paying for what might be an unsatisfying meal. This is symptomatic of a broader phenomenon. The rich, often perceived as having the finest at their fingertips, are surprisingly vulnerable to being swindled. This susceptibility is rooted in the imbalance of skin in the game between a rich customer and a persuasive salesperson. To the ordinary buyer, a splurge involves careful consideration and risk, wasting hard-earned money as a dreadful prospect. In contrast, the rich, cushioned by their ample bank accounts, face less financial danger with each transaction, dropping their guard against overpriced or substandard purchases. The discrepancy in motivation allows salespersons, intent on earning their commissions, to nudge the wealthy towards extravagance. The dynamic is especially noticeable in real estate. The stereotypical mansion, 
surrounded by acres of solitude, is often pitched as the ideal dwelling for the affluent. Yet the author speculates that deep down, many wealthy individuals would find greater joy in the bustling warmth of a close-knit community rather than the echoing halls of grandiose yet isolated abodes. It would appear that the overtures of real estate agents and the seductive narrative of luxury marketing sways the rich, leading them away from their genuine desires and deeper into isolation. Though it might not invoke sympathy, it is an insightful example of how an abundance of resources can unexpectedly diminish one's control over them. The rich, with less at stake per individual purchase, lose touch with their true preferences, inadvertently becoming easy marks in an elaborate charade artfully orchestrated by those with more skin in the game. Final Summary Diving into the labyrinth of human interactions and marketplace dynamics paints a vivid image of the unseen forces at play. Asymmetries of knowledge, the distribution of risk, and the intensity of personal stakes. These elements are the invisible threads woven through the fabric of our daily lives, influencing decisions in boardrooms, marketplaces, and even our personal choices. To decipher the rationale behind human behavior and societal trends, one must ask essential questions about the balance of information among participants and who stands to lose the most. By examining who has the skin in the game, we unveil the profound impact of risk and involvement on outcomes within financial, social, and professional spheres. Ultimately, this introspective journey through skin in the game illuminates a fundamental truth. To grasp the why behind actions and events, we must look beyond surface appearances and scrutinize the depths where knowledge and stakes align, clash, and converge. It's within these depths that we find the keys to understanding the complex choreography of human conduct. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.